one. Good morning, good afternoon. This is AJ, one of the co-founders of Spieler, here on the Bedroom to Boardroom podcast. Uh, we delve into these stories of people from awesome backgrounds doing awesome stuff in their respective fields. Today we have a wonderful guest. Um, I met her when I was abroad at an event. Uh, great energy. We kind of just got to vibe. The reason why I wanted to speak to her when I met her at the event was she was at this event with a do-rag, which was just amazing to me, right? So, so here we have, we have Joy. Joy, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks. I'm cracking up because wearing a do-rag in public, I feel like it's not normal, but I'm glad that it caught your attention sure. as something extraordinary. It was a nice red do-rag, and especially at the type of event we were at, how <laughs> it was very, very unique, right? And... What yeah, I guess I didn't expect to get something else in the do-rag. Was your ability to just be yourself at all times, be 100% authentic. And that's something that I, I really admired when I, when I first met you. Thank you. That means a lot. So what we'll do, as we normally start, is get through our quick fire round of Q&As. So we'll start off with one of my favorites. What was the first concert you ever went to? Ooh, first concert I ever went to was the Wiggles. Do you remember them? I think they were your guys, UK, right? <laughs> I, I've never heard of the Wiggles. <laughs> You've never heard of the Wiggles? Never heard of the Wiggles. No. They were so big. You're being funny. Oh, you, you heard you of the Wiggles. Okay, next. Part of the song? <laughs> okay. Cats be dogs. Cats all dogs. I mean, I was, what? No, stop. Wait, yeah. Let's rewind. How okay. have you never heard of the Wiggles? Fruit salad. Yummy, yummy. Like, you've never heard that song in your life. We clearly have different childhoods. Oh my, my first God. concert was um, the Wu Tang. <laughs> so you see the difference. <laughs> uh, yeah, I see the difference. Sure. We're talking first, like the first time you ever went out. I guess my first mature concert was Raven Simone. Okay, good choice. At the at the county fair, yeah. So it's, maybe that's a little bit closer. We'll go. Next question. Cats versus dogs. Dogs all freaking day. I actually volunteer with rescue dogs. So that is really close to my heart. Favorite genre of music? Ooh, um, I'm going to say hip hop, rap, trap. That mm, I like it. Rap if is you... an all encompassing. <laughs> okay. If you could create a slogan for your life, what would that slogan be? So far, we've had Just Do It. That was it, really. That's one of my favorite ones I've heard. Ooh. Logan for my life. I've kind of had a couple things that I frequently tell myself. If anything, like my name can sometimes be kind of a slogan, which is mm -hmm. a blessing and a curse, right? It's like a calling for me. But I think a good slogan for me is it's always darkest before the dawn, which I actually heard from Florence Welch in Shake It Out, her first song in the mid-thousands. Wow, that's beautiful. <laughs> I like that. Okay, <laughs> worst job you've ever had? It is. Listen, um, I find there's, a, there's always light at the end of the tunnel, and anytime you're going through those tough patches, whether it be career-wise, relationship-wise, it's character-building. And you find that 
post that 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 moment of of pain or struggle the, the clarity you, you get out of it is is amazing and you look back and it all just seems very manageable afterwards it's just those moments of times seems as everything can be overwhelming yeah. you have no idea how you're gonna get through it until you get through it but it's you like do. another way of saying it worst job you have ever had oh i haven't had a worse job i love everything that i work on Oh, wow. Lucky. Great answer. A final question. There is a zombie apocalypse. Who are the three ah! people you want on your team? Can be anybody. Uh, I'm sorry. It's a zombie apocalypse. You can low-key take me right away. I don't really want to be around for any of that mess. So you just forfeit. So if I, if I had to choose three people... Um, Let's choose like like a really good like pastor or priest. Okay. Um, let's choose. Actually, can we just replace it's anyone? Right? Can we replace with God? I want God on my team. <laughs> I've had that one already. I want. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, I want someone who's like really good at making smoothies because I'm gonna mm. need someone on Earth, you know, to provide that that last final bit of just just pleasure and then final person i want on my team someone who owns like a really secure facility <laughs> so i'm gonna just wait it out drink my smoothie and then you know god got me for the rest i like that so we finished the quick q a now we can delve into the meat and potatoes as, as they say so joy tell me a little bit about well, I love you. meat and potatoes <laughs> Tell me a little bit about your background. Okay. Um, uh, my name is Joy. I love people. I love communicating. That's what drives me. I love dogs. I love empowering girls and black people. I love photography. You can pretty much learn me through the things that I love pretty quickly, but I'm from the Bay Area. And um, since graduating from USC, which was in 2018, what is that about? Almost two years ago now, I've had the opportunity to like work here in the Bay Area and travel the world, which has been really cool. So you work in the Bay Area. What is a common myth about the Bay Area that you'd like to debunk here, here on our platform? Oh, man. Or myths. I'm sure there's many. Yeah, yeah. I think people think the Bay is like monolithic, but it's, it's hella different. Like it's, it's about as diverse as you can imagine. Every, someone who comes from every little pocket has a different experience. So you really kind of have to spend time here to understand there's really like no one kind of, of Bay area individual. I've seen memes and stuff, but those really don't apply to like everyone that you would meet here. It's also full of transplants, which is I guess a good thing. I've been told that getting anywhere in the Bay is is a tall ordeal and it's super difficult. Travel was like, it's just a myth. Uh, okay, there's a myth. Come on now. You just hop in a car and BART. Like, what are you talking about? Or even Muni if you have to. I prefer the BART. I, I feel like BART, BART could do a lot better as far as where it extends, but it, it goes where you need it to go. Perfect. So you are in an industry which across the world globally tends to suffer from 
a lack of representation from from black people, um, women of color. Um, what yep. advice would you give to uh, somebody wanting to enter this industry? Yeah, okay, first is breaking down on like understanding representation. I know we've been saying women of color a lot to really just mm-hmm. mean anyone who's not white, but like I don't agree with the phrase. And I think more and more I've been interrogating it until I finally arrived at like of color doesn't really mean anything. Mm-hmm. And if like if we want to address problems that our community faces, we should be really specific about who we're talking about. Um, and then in a larger sense, I think that, and people say of color to be like polite. Um, I think I'm like correct and I get that, but it's it almost overshadows the work that like individual communities are doing. For me, I think almost any industry I've tried to break into has had a shortage of black employees or has had a shortage um, of women or maybe not a shortage, but rather just like we aren't seen in like the highest leadership position um, or even just like directorial managerial positions. I think best advice I can give is just that like you belong, you belong anywhere that you are. So I've had that mindset and I haven't let a lack of seeing people that look like me in this Mm -hmm. space necessarily deter me from going into that space and inviting other people that look like me behind. I think also I've started to see a lot of people take pride in being, you know, the only black person in any given space. I don't think that's something to brag about. Like to be the first black person, like, sure. But like, not like I'm the only black man doing it. I'm the only black woman doing it. It's like, where's the joy in that, you know? I agree. In terms of the term women or people of color, it's, it's a difficult one. Um, I kind of side. I thought process lies quite similar with you in terms of that term and the term BAME. Um, but currently, what we're, what we're doing, so our focus primarily was prim- primarily just black people. Um, but we found there was a lot of negative backlash in terms of reaching out to companies and trying to onboard them as partners. And, you know, w- the moral quandary I found myself facing is that we are aiming to be a platform to push diversity and inclusion and in our messaging and who we're trying to onboard into these companies, we aren't quite being as diverse and as inclusive as we'd like companies to be. Right. So we've had to find different language, different terminologies, different rhetoric to reframe our value proposition to make it more palatable to founders of, of companies who don't quite like a certain language. And as as a result, you find yourself using these these terms that, you know, what do they mean? Who knows? BAME, people of color. Um, but hopefully when, when we use this language, people understand that what, what, what we're alluding to is people who aren't white, uh, but more importantly, people from underrepresented, underrepresented backgrounds who aren't currently visible at whether it's management position or junior, junior level position of these, these companies who are growing tremendously. And we're looking to help companies understand the importance of diversity and inclusion. I've just currently written a white paper on this topic so i'm looking to, to publish that this this next week probably so kind of touching upon industry pain points of diversity and inclusion how have you found being in this industry has it been welcoming um i'd rather not talk about the tech industry in particular mm-hmm. 
What was that? I'd rather not talk about the tech industry in particular. Gotcha. Industries just in general. You know, comments, comments given one place will be extrapolated to something specific. Sure. Gotcha. I can appreciate that. So on the topic of diversity, what does that term quite mean to you? Hmm. I think it means having different people at the table, not just along race, but Mm -hmm. along other identifiers as well, right? So along sexual orientation, um, what people believe, how they express themselves in terms of like gender identity. Uh, I think it means the diversity of age, socioeconomic status, class, backgrounds, where people are coming from. Are they international to the United States or domestic? Like this, this term is definitely a glaze over and we start we start even getting into like diversity of thought which i think is like <laughs> a dangerous phrase what, mm-hmm. what we really mean is people who are contributing diverse perspectives because of who they are that i think is the foundation that leads to like diversity of thought as a byproduct but you don't recruit for diverse thoughts you know what i mean um sure. so that's what diversity means to me and i think inclusion means something totally different I have one question I'd, I'd love to ask. So you touched upon it earlier. Um, if any was, anybody was to find you on Instagram or any socials, they find that your surname is perhaps unusual. Um, I know it to be of Nigerian descent. Unusual? Not <laughs> uh, it's not to you exactly, right? So how have you found being in America, being, I don't even like the term African-American, but being a Nigerian in, in the U.S.? Oh, man. Yeah, so when you're born Nigerian in the U.S., and you and I definitely uh, were chatting about this earlier, it's like being born into, like, a little Nigeria. So you're in this mm-hmm. insulated pocket of, like, culture, and your parents, right, are bringing the music, food, um, the the clothing, the language. You know, we're Igbo, so, like, you you are growing up in this kind of, like, protected part of culture but you also struggle because on one hand you know your family's telling you you're not american and like remember who you are simba type type vibe (laughs) (laughs) on the other hand at school you're supposed to learn and understand that like you know you're just like anyone else you're part of this i remember this i'm like great american melting pot and so you're literally being told to like melt and fuse your identity with everyone else's and being told that, like, you know, all men are created equal in this, like, great nation, you know, that these white men built, but we're all equal. Um, and so you're sitting, being told to hold on to your identity by one party and then fuse it into everyone else's because you'll be treated just the same, but also not being treated the same outside of both of those experiences. Like, just being in public, on the street, mixing with people, you understand that people view you differently and they view you as less than just because you're black so it doesn't really matter that you have this other more specific i guess i would say ethnic identity um and so that was difficult and painful to reconcile and i think like even at 22 i'm still sorting through it but it's also such a gift like nigerians in america are one of the most like loud beautiful vibrant intelligent I mean, literally highest educated community. So I feel blessed to be a part of it. Like I wouldn't trade the struggle 
that I've experienced for anything. You know, it's been my life. It's been everything. It's it's the source of like the funniest fount of like humor and memes. Um, and I think also like the deepest pain. So there's a really wide spectrum there that uh, has been fun for me to interrogate. I'll tell you about a little journey of that that I've been going on personally. I went to my very first wedding, like ever. Uh, it just so happened to be a Yoruba wedding. So as you can imagine, beautiful colors, amazing food, dance moves that were, that were crazy. I couldn't keep up. I'm, I'm a, I've got two left feet. I'm a little bit of a, of a young old man. So I couldn't really keep up on that front. But I tried to do my little one-two step. Uh, but post, during that, 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 that wedding, I got to speak to a, a Yoruba uh, teacher. Uh, Yoruba is one of the, the, the dialects in, in, in Nigeria. And we just spoke about the disconnects many of us face, um, having our parents speak to us in our native tongue, but not being forced to speak it back. So you have the ability to understand your native tongue, but to not speak it. And one of the things my tutor touched yeah. upon is the disconnect that that, that, that creates from, from your culture, uh, in the sense that language is, is fundamentally a gateway to understand a culture. So I've been going on a journey for the last two, three months really to just go through your bar lessons and kind of learn my own personal personal tongue and i just said it before it gives you such pride because at one stage if my parents my mother would speak to me in Yoruba in public i would uh, feel a little bit ashamed a little bit embarrassed unnecessary attention is being drawn to me but now i tell her mom every time you speak to me please speak to me in Yoruba. i want to learn i want to absorb i want to soak up this culture um, and there's so much pride in where you're from. Um, who you are is really what, what makes you stand out as whether it's we're talking in the employment market or just in general, really. Um, taking pride in where you're from is a, is a beautiful thing. Yeah, that sounds like a really cool journey to be on. I, I do remember being approached about like lessons or learning, but it was always very loosely. That being said, I never came to be ashamed of the language specifically. Like it always, I mean, it is like mother, mother tongue in a way. I know mother tongue is supposed to refer to a language that you were born speaking, but it's just something I was born listening to, right? So like it's, it's infused in me, even if I don't have the clearest articulation. Like I've mm -hmm. always loved to hear it spoken. I'd love to listen in on conversations where they think you can't understand, but you do. <laughs> and then like even try a little best, of course, like consistently trying the accent back whenever my friends and I are being like funny with each other, my first gen mm -hmm. friends. Um, but that's, that's intriguing that you're learning. Are you doing it online or in person? So in person, um, in person and online. So I, I have a meet my, my tutor face to face or like today I have a session in 30 minutes where we'll have an hour where we, we go through what I've learned that week. There's also an app actually, if anybody's interested, there's this issue called uh, Yoruba 101, where you could just learn the basics in terms of, <laughs> I know it's so funny, right? <laughs> you can learn the basics in terms of understanding what household things mean. Yeah, the hardest part, it makes me want to pick up Duolingo, just in my lazy time and, and write Ebo. The hardest part is scribing it, isn't it? Like I have, I know how to say a million things and I can understand five million, but how to scribe it, I have no idea. Do you find that challenge too? For me, the, the main challenge is structuring conversation. So you, as you said before, you understand a, a plethora of words and you understand them uniquely, but to string together a sentence is, is where I struggle. Um, but also the words that were very familiar yeah. with me tend, tend to be threats. 
like to my bow during this thing, which is um, if, before I hit your face. <laughs> so, so unlearning all those threats and un, and and learning more more positive aspects of, of the language is is interesting. Oh right yeah, now, the I'm, threats I, I, and the milk first. <laughs> exactly. So also, there's the um the, the learning between the different ways by which you treat people um or greet people, even communicate as a whole, really. So you you greet people who are your age mates in a particular way, and then the language is is very very much based on respect. So you treat your elders or groups of people in a different way. So for me, it's having to learn and understand the two different ways by which I can interact with somebody um, and always be conscious of that every time I engage in conversation. You don't want to fundamentally like little bro yeah, somebody who's, who's, who's your elder. It's so beautiful, right? Um, and also yeah, another really thing I found, the culture is the idea that's very respectful. Yeah, that it's infused in how you address people and mm. then also like how you should regard yourself that kind of grounding or literally what we call, some people call it home training. I think that's what black people call it. We would just call it like <laughs> being raised, right? Like that raising <laughs> is, is, is crazy. I think that's what sets, um, it's what I, it's what allows me to identify like who's in my community and who's not. Cause I can see it like in other people. And I'm like, Oh, you must be Nigerian. You know, that like Nigerian radar. Mm. So we have a few more questions. Right now, I am I'm on your Instagram account, and you mentioned it before, but oh, you're no. a photographer. Um, I'm so interested yeah. in hearing how people got into the industry of photography. Do you remember the, the first moment where either you picked up a camera and you thought, "Yeah, I really enjoyed this this journey of capturing a subject," or do you remember the, or the first time you thought, "Yeah, oh, I want to yeah. kind of do a little bit more of this." Let's go through that story, please. Oh, sure. So um, there there were definitely times when I was younger and I was using just like standard point and shoot cameras, you know, running mm-hmm. running around, like capturing things. I didn't realize how interested I was. But in 2014, I went to a portrait workshop and it was just like a quick, you know, I caught maybe 30 minutes of a one hour workshop, but they put a Canon camera in my hands and they had a professional lighting system. And I got to take a photo of this girl at the workshop and like I looked at the camera and I was looking at the renders because it was coming out live and I was like, whoa, like the power that this has, I didn't even know that, you know, I could shoot something with like zero professional experience, mm-hmm. shoot something that looked so professional and I was hooked. Like, I was like, what is this accessibility? So uh, I immediately, this was in 2014 in Los Angeles. Immediately started borrowing my friend's equipment and then eventually um, purchased my own with the money that I had earned from like, you know, shooting photos. And every year I got better and better. But I think the most important thing to note was just that like I loved portraiture and I loved people and faces and their emotions and expressions and shooting photos of the black community wherever I was, whether it was um, in the Bay Area or Los Angeles or while traveling, like different events, like that has really allowed me to like come closer to myself in a way and then understand like how I view the world and I'm I'm the kind of person like if we had a meaningful conversation I might pull it out in my phone and like look at it again and again and just kind of read through like because I'm a communication not because I'm crazy but because like I'm a communication Uh, geek like that mm. like I'm just really into remembering um and like the history of things and so that's that's, I guess, for me, like, what I create with my photography 
is just this ongoing visual record of my life, but through other people. Like, I'm not, I wouldn't say that I, like, lead as a model. Like, I've modeled before. <laughs> You'll notice that. Yeah, I can see. But I don't, like, yeah, it's not just about, like, going back and looking at photos of me. Like, I want to see the people that I've seen. I want to, almost like that one Black Mirror episode where the guy's, like, flashing through his memories, like, in those contexts. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what photography allows me to do. So I'm looking at your I Am Period campaign. If anybody has five or so minutes, go through your Instagram account. It's back in March 2018. Scroll through. Um, and I'm, I'm a big fan. So my first real experience with photography is, obviously, as a child, you, your parents give you the camera to take photos of stuff. And I would do it just because I had to. Um, but then I, I had a fitness company that I was trying to scale. And I needed somebody to take photos of my product. So I, being stubborn and whatnot, not willing to pay for a photographer, I picked up a camera, did it myself. You know, the, the images were, were pretty fucking boring, if I'm honest with you. But where I had the most fun with it was post-exams, so post-finals. I had my camera, and I'd walk around, and i just yeah. capture the energy on campus. And you could see the, the, the relief, the happiness, the joy in all these people's faces. And I'd go home, I'd stay up, ridiculous hours and edit those photos and it was so powerful to be able to just capture those candid moments of people smiling engaging interacting with people and you could look into their eyes and every single every single picture had a unique story uh and, and that's when i thought yeah. wow this is powerful this little camera here is a very powerful tool and uh, since then i've just been snapping models um telling trying to tell stories through photos trying to create timeless photos about which I can look back in two years, three years time and be like, wow, this is very relevant yeah. to this day and age. Um, hopefully I can show you. Let's, 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 let's try and arrange it. Thanks for noticing. Uh, I am period, by the way. Um, <laughs> that, was a, that was a campaign that was directed by my best friend, Quincy and Quanta, and then assistant directed by the brilliant Sophia Jackson. And Shout illustrated by Hannah Chow. So that was my first experience in, in bringing, like, bringing myself into this collaboration for photography. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, later or around the same time, I worked on the Black Panther project that involved a makeup artist and my friend as the model. But that's, mm -hmm. like, a really common model for me, you know? To be the photographer, someone does someone's makeup, whether it's the model themselves or someone else. And then I have the model. And, like, that's what I was comfy and, like, used to. And this was a big push because it, like, everyone had kind of, like, this equal creative stake and ownership in the photos, even though, like, I was the photographer. So it wasn't a model, like, a working model that I was used to. And I definitely made some kind of mistakes, like, in working on that project and in trying to figure out, like, attribution. It was very messy. And these are like people who I really care about. So that's something that I think about a lot with that project. Like all's well that ends well. We were able to like talk it out and figure it out. But it's it's uh it's a project I'm really proud of. Um mm -hmm. just because of the nature of like the people, how it came out technically, um, but also like what the model brought to it. And then I'm also I'm also really glad for it as like a lesson in in, uh, in honestly, what's probably more of a traditional photography setup, 
in which like a creative director, you know, and an AD and, and you know, maybe even like an agency or a client, I don't know, might have some kind of creative briefing. And then you, the photographer, really kind of come in with the tool and, mm-hmm. and you're shooting and you're framing, but like you're a more secondary part of the process as opposed to being the first, middle and last word on, on the project. That was that was new to me, and I'd definitely be open to doing it again, like later in life. Um, but it was it was a new exercise for sure. I have two projects that I've never quite closed the book on, and one of them is called um, "F My Ex," which, as you can imagine, is it's a homage to people breaking oh, up from their from their partners, and that that glow up phase you go through post breakup where. You know, women adopt that that Sasha Fierce personality, right? So it's something I'm really interested by. And the other one is called Strangers in London, where by which the plan is, it's a lifetime goal, really, but to shoot one person from every single country whilst they visit London or whilst, they, whilst, whilst they're in London fundamentally, just to, to, to see everybody's unique style. Um, and these projects I haven't quite written off yet, but I'm, I'm still working on them. We're three years going strong. And I've ticked off quite quite a lot of countries on on the map. So listen, I'd love to chat all day, Hi. but I know that our audience has somewhat a short attention span. <laughs> so I want to perhaps allow them to get one or two more tad bits of actionable information from 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 sure. the great joy. So are you you a yeah, reader? Yeah, You're a reader. You I'm podcast a listener. I was a huge reader in my childhood. I read a hundred books every summer, and that's like oh, not wow. to mention the, the, the year. That's a um, flex. And that stopped when I light flex. Yeah, it low key stops when I moved. I had a move in my childhood, and I guess I didn't read as much anymore after that, which is kind of sad. Or it could just be growing up. I don't know. Mm. But so, yeah, I've, I've still got some books around. Books or or podcasts that have helped you in your your personal professional um life what would you recommend okay i actually am going to recommend two podcasts because we're on a podcast so one would be uh, bobo and flex podcast it's by bobo machula who i actually used to go to school with i wasn't in any courses with her but you just kind of knew her as a campus personality and fashion icon and now she talks on like a range of super relatable topics with flex um, for an audience of, I think, primarily women, like boss women. And I, I love that podcast. And then the second would be um, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. It's religious. It's a Christian church based in South Carolina. And I bet it has like the mega church label just because of its size, because of the sort of e-family they've created around the world but when you're listening it feels super immediate and applicable to your life and I think actually whether or not you're Christian because there's what I love about it is like there's no pressure to walk away like and adopt this faith for your whole life mm-hmm. you know what I mean like I I am a Christian and that is my faith but like for other folks who might just be curious or they're just looking for like a little bit of a light word but like don't want to be shamed into 365 degrees you know 365 a year like participation elevation on um on apple or all the variety of platforms that's a super easy digestible 
relevant and a funny kind of podcast. I like listening to it on Monday before I go into work and it, oh, wow. it just kind of, right. yeah, so not Sunday. Cause, cause that's another thing, right? Like feeling relegated to only Sundays in order to like express, um, like prayerful feelings or spirituality can be kind of hard, like depending on your schedule. So for me, elevation on Mondays has been really good. I think I'm going to start maybe a hashtag Monday elevations and perhaps share some. <laughs> yeah, I'll it. join it and we can talk about it. There we go. All right. So one final question. This, here's a good one. What do you think are the secrets behind you get into where you currently are now. I understand that now is just a lap in in the grand scheme, the, the grand marathon. But okay. so far, you're, you're running your race in life. You've got to where you are. What do you think are the secrets? Secrets. Sleep is vital. So oh, wow. taking care of myself has been really important. That's why this last, yeah, that's why this last lap has been so brilliant and so colorful and so successful because I've been sleeping. <laughs> Probably slept more in the last year than I have, like in the previous 10 of like being in school and everything. Um, so I'm gonna say sleep. I'll also say definitely God, like I've probably already brought him up 80 million times, but I think there's a vision plan there. So I try to stay. Yeah, I try to, I try to stay prayerful and, and grounded also a really good support system that's not so much of a secret but i think it's more like aligning yourself with people who get you and people who support you even as you change your mind and even as you change and so i think it's not about the quantity of friendships or followers or any of that um but really like the quality so there's never too many you can never have too many friends who truly get you because there are friends for A, every season, but B, like every kind of engagement. So I have some that are super close and we talk daily. I have some that we talk every six months. And then some maybe like once a year we tap in. And I think that all those friends are welcome. Other secrets, if you want more technical sort of operational business secrets, like I'm really <laughs> good at branding myself. I'm not afraid so. to brag about myself. I go online every once in a while and I'll perform like a search of myself on Google. And so you should for sure SEO optimize yourself, whatever it is that you're looking to do professionally, like your online presence is a reflection of that. So I often recommend that people go in and like clean up their presence online. I tweet, I gram, I book, like <laughs> I publish from a variety of platforms um, as a photographer and just, you know, as a young professional. I'm on LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn publishing is dope. Um, and I like to write a lot of my professional thoughts there. I get a huge audience there uh, of people that don't follow me, but I'll, I'll blank and it'll be like 35,000 leads or something. So. Cool. Big flex. That's wow. dope. Relax. Woo. Yeah. Woo. Okay. Wow. Others, other secrets. I, listen, I don't, I don't try to hold professional secrets. Like, and I'm not one of those people that's like super competitive because I don't feel that I'm competing with anyone um, in the stage of my life. Maybe somewhere in the past I was, but I haven't been competing with anyone immediately for a long time. Um, and so I'm open and willing. I think reaching back and helping other people, reaching back and serving is, is not a secret. That's the key to success. Oof, we're almost out of secrets. Hold on. I'm feeling them just fall out of my brain. Oh, thank you. I'm really big 
especially at the interview phase, if you're looking to like join a new company or organization, sending a written thank you to every single interviewer by name as soon as you've had the interview and as soon as you can get their address. And if you don't know it, Google it, guess it, I promise you that letter will make its way to that person and they'll be really grateful. Was that helpful for those good secrets? Listen, all we can do is wait, give it a few months for people to action these secrets and I'm sure they'll get back to you and let you know. I love it. That happens Perfect. to me quite a bit with my articles. So I hope it happens here too. I've had a few people hit me back based upon some of the things you said on this podcast. And um, it's, it's refreshing, right? It's, it's helping is one of the greatest things I realized in life is actually important. People always say it's, it's better to give to the, than to receive. I thought they were just chatting shit. But as I've learned, it's so much better to give. I love to, 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 to assist a lot more than I enjoy to school at this stage. Um, but anyway, on on on. Oh wow! <laughs> so listen, so what we'll do is we'll give you. <laughs> Come to London more often, man. Everyone sounds like us. I mean, not everybody, but most of us. Wait, I yeah, I've never been out in London. I was there when I was maybe one, so it'd be great to go back. Let's listen, like. I'm always here. So here we go. You have a friend in London, Southeast to, to be exact. Amazing. But Joy, what we'll do is if you could give your 